God. Oh my God, Nick, Nick is dead. Nick is dead. Hold on, I've got to get this pocket watch out and point it at his corpse and then I'll be able to tell how Nick Weiger died. Ah, wife's out of the house. Time to tie this belt around my neck and watch some hardcore porno. Okay. Oh my god, a beehive! <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! <laughs> no! Oh, I can't stop it because it's in the past! Ah, oh, well, now we know how Nick died. He died being stung by a hundred bees while he choked himself out with his dick in his hand. <laughs> This has been the story of Nick Weiger. <laughs> we investigate corpses for insurance payouts in Macintosh stylized detective puzzle game Return of Obra Dinn this week on How Did This Get Played? Welcome to How Did This Get Played, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest video games of all time. I'm Nick Weiger, along with Heather Ann Campbell. Hi, I'm Heather Ann Campbell, alongside Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, Bucket. And of course, now it's time for me to unveil my new catchphrase, this week brought to us by at David is Taken on Twitter. Matt and Heather are cool. Uh, so, mm. you know, a little bit of a new spin on it change the order up but still it's it's you guys just to keep trolling me with the same phrase over and over again that is based off of the example that matt gave a uh, week one so i'm just going to retire this bit at this point uh what a ride i but, thought i thought you already had retired it nick to be no we're totally these episodes out of order so i'm breaking kayfabe <laughs> right now to remind you that we're releasing the episode we recorded last week <laughs> after this one <laughs> But hey, here we are. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of out of order, it's uh, it's time to uh, get back on track. What? And get it. It's time before we descend into gaming hell to spend 70 seconds in gaming heaven as we always do. Uh, Matt, count us off. Go for it. Well, I really want to talk about the analog pocket. Now, I know that analog is this like ultra fancy game company that makes like uh, Super Nintendos with HDMI outputs, but it's all the original hardware, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the Analog Pocket, I think, is going to be the first system that I purchased from Analog. It is a handheld that plays all Game Boy, all Game Boy Color, and all Game Boy Advance games on a Gorilla Glass screen with LCD, 615 PPI, it's 10 times the resolution of an original Game Boy, and you can buy a bunch of adapters for it, sold by Analog, which will let you play Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket, Atari Lynx. It's basically every retro handheld, and it's not an emulator. Now, the little uh, Raspberry Pi fucking handhelds that, like, this slow down and bullshit, and, like, some things don't work, this is all the original hardware packed into this gorgeous... Apple iPhone looking machine 
I'm super excited about it. As of the record, it goes on pre-order on August 3rd, um, which is not yet. Okay. Heather delivered that entire uh, monologue holding a sack with a dollar sign on it that said, from analog. (laughs) (laughs) It does sound exciting, though. It sounds uh, like I I looked at the, I looked at the, the, the pictures you texted. I was like, oh, this looks like a really, really elegantly designed piece of hardware. It also has a sequencer in it, so you could hook it like you. It's got music software built in, so you can use the chipsets of those systems to make music. Wow! Like mm. built in. I I would love one for free, but I will buy one. Is what I'm what I'm saying. Analog, if you're listening, you know our podcast covers bad games, so we would never cover your hardware. Sure. And also, we don't cover bad games anymore. We do whatever we want. We're just it's true. We're just doing whatever. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we'll do a Ghost of Tsushima episode. Why not? You keep saying that because you beat Ghost of Tsushima. (laughs) Yeah, I finished it, and I just want to talk about it with someone. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even had a chance to... Someone DM me or something. I don't... All I do... Anyway. (laughs) Hey, let's introduce our guest, (laughs) a frequent guest of the podcast, and writer for Briar Patch and Dispatches from Elsewhere, Eva Anderson is back. Hi, Eva. Hey, guys. I'm so happy to be back and not talking about Leisure Suit Larry 3. <laughs> you mean passionate Patty in pursuit of the pulsating pectorals? Yay! You know, I Wait, mean, well, what games did you guys play? Oh, oh Heather. no, Heather. <laughs> you play the, I saw the Eva's third name. I, I've been Larry? slogging through Leisure Suit Larry for a month. Oh, boy. I feel like we can't do it until the world reopens. Just even seeing Larry in a crowd would depress me. <laughs> I haven't checked Al Lowe's Twitter uh, to see his stance on masks, but I feel like it's probably not good. <laughs> um, uh, Eva, thank you so much for, for being here. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm curious. I, I want to start be, by talking about uh, you worked on a murder mystery game that was on Instagram uh, during COVID called Arcana. And I just wanted to like just let you tell everyone about it. Um, and and also what your approach was from like a uh, for in, in terms of executing this idea. Yeah. So basically, okay. So um, last year, I uh, got hired along with a, a group of seven of us who are people who all work in different types of immersive game and like uh, theater in LA. Uh, we got hired to design a game, like a live action game for the. Um, uh, Overlook Film Festival in New Orleans, which took place over three days. A couple hundred people played it. You're like running around New Orleans having this spooky adventure. And so we all liked working together. And so once quarantine hit, we decided to do something that people people could play socially distanced and that we could make socially distanced. So we took about a, there's we took about a month to write and design it. And then we once we launched the game, it ran for a month on Instagram and eventually branched out onto other public websites. But the idea was there were seven of us, the team, the core team. There's like two writers, um, three designers, a producer, and a puzzle designer, experienced designer, who's uh, his, he's a fan of the pod. So I want to shout out Tommy Haunton. Um, Hi, Tommy. Hi, Tommy. He's an escape room designer and a puzzle designer. And, and it was like, it was super cool. So basically, our approach was we wanted to keep things super safe, like both physically and emotionally for people. So even though it was like a fucked up, scary story, we wanted to make sure people knew they should never leave their house. And also anytime they went on a website, there would be like a banner that was like, this is the game. 
Like, so you never ended right. up not sure if you were screaming at a real person on their Instagram. And then, um, yeah, it was super cool. We just kind of uh, rolled it out um, in like in a really simple way, just sending a kind of a flyer around Twitter. And by the second week, like 2000 people were playing and we had people from other countries that we had this like crazy discord going of people in like Eastern Europe and Australia that were staying up all night, solving the puzzles. And uh, yeah, we did it for like four weeks and uh, it was super fun. Um, That's rad. Yeah. So process wise in production, uh, uh, was it like, how, where did the, were the writers coming up? Like what, like what was the, the, the collaborative process? We would all kind of brainstorm the story together. And then the two writers would go off and come up with these kind of real narrative moves we wanted to do. That would go to like the design team because they were shooting everything themselves and hmm. working with all the, like building the stuff and uh, the puzzle designer. And then they'd come back to us and be like, it would make more sense if it was like this. So we'd be building, working back and forth. But like, what it would come down to is I, I like just being like, hey, um, I want a puzzle that like uh, reveals uh, this word. And then uh, I'd have no idea what it would be. And then like uh, Tommy, the puzzle designer coming back with like an possibly complicated like hard puzzle that I could never solve and being like okay I think it should be this and then uh the design team building it and shooting it with the actress um it was just super cool uh yeah and then also part of the process too is that everybody could dm with the characters and email the characters so a lot of the time we'd be rolling out this stuff on instagram and then you know, uh, we'd be sitting at, the, at our laptops, just logged in to Instagram and email Gmails as various characters were live responding to people. And we'd have a couple hundred people at once just like shouting stuff at us. And they always got responded to. So it was ended up being really personal too. Like, and the way people were playing ended up affecting the narrative and the way we made puzzles. And it was wild, man. It was a super like once in a lifetime kind of experience. I had a great time. That's so rad. Yeah, that sounds... Incredible. It sounds like um, nothing I've ever even come close to participating in in my life. It's really cool. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I never played anything like it as a player either. I was like, this is getting it was wild it was but uh, it used so were you using you know uh, and and i've i i read a little bit about this game and i i saw some of it while it was taking place on on instagram but like you've got like you know a a lot of like actual video like real video you shot um and a game that you mentioned when we were talking about you coming back on the podcast was her story which is a which is another thing that you know uses like full motion video uh, as a way to tell its narrative and have the player kind of work in an investigative role to sort of solve things. Um, but like, what, were there, were there any games that you, uh, that you, that the team drew inspiration from when coming up with this? Yeah, for sure. We did talk about her story and telling lies. Um, and yeah, there, there's also like, you know, there, there's like a whole history of ARGs. I think it goes back to the first ARG was connected. It was called the beast. And it was connected to the movie AI. And like, that's how, that's how long ago they've been going on. But, um, they usually, Haley Joel Osment was a child. Now he's a man. I know <laughs> he grew up before our eyes. Oh, he went to the flesh fair. Uh, Oh, don't yeah. go to the flesh fair. <laughs> also imagine like playing a really, really complicated, dense online game where you're like, is this real? And then at the end you get to watch AI. Like, I think that's really funny. <laughs> 
I'd be into that. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> oh man, it's like Teddy and like, uh, make me a real boy. It's wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, some of it was just coming from like escape room theory and, and cause it, it was a different sort of thing. It was like, there, it wasn't, it was more like in-person games than video games because right. people really had to like work together to solve things and talk to each other and, and then bounce, you know, get hints from us as the characters and, um, yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it was just, a. it's hard. It's hard to even describe the process. It, it was ended up being super fluid. And by the end we, we realized we had to make two, you could basically this girl, the main character Jade was possessed and you, everyone was working together to build this huge spell basically to, to deal with this demon that had possessed her. And we realized that we had to like shoot two endings because we had to actually give them the choice of whether they wanted to like d- destroy her and destroy the demon or save her and free the demon and destroy the world. And so they, we let people vote and we actually had two endings and we, it was really like tense. So it's being like, Oh man, if they kill Jade, it's going to be really sad. And wow. uh, at the last second they, they saved her. So yeah, it was wow. cool. That's well, really the cool. internet voted against a killing a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> to be fair, this is this isn't the internet. This is a subset of the internet interested in ARGs and and, and puzzle games. Yeah, like, more, so they're much already, more hospitable side. Yeah, they're already self-selecting for uh, a, a more I don't know pleasant story. Yeah, um, it's like how on how there can be like if you go to like a, a like a certain subreddit, it can be like the most tranquil, docile place. Like if you go to like you know like a a niche woodworking subreddit. It's all just people like being helpful with each to each other. And, and, but then it also houses like, just like the worst shittiest parts of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we actually exactly what you said, Heather, it was pretty self-selecting the people that decided they actually wanted to engage. So we actually, the whole community ended up being really cool. And we really like, like, even though they were, they split off into their own little factions in the end, we were like, Oh, these guys, they're great. They're really, and they still have a discord where they still hang out and talk that I, that they just are still friends. Wow. People from around the world. Yeah. That's incredible. It's, it's almost like the first two weeks of Pokemon go, which was the height of uh, American empire. Like that was it. (laughs) 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 It's true. Oh, all together looking for Pokemons out in the outdoors. (laughs) Then that went away and got replaced with baby nut. It's like, Oh fuck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Wait, what is Baby Nut? Baby Nut. The new, the new miss, they killed Mr. Peanut, and they gave us a Baby Nut. Oh, oh yeah. Baby Nut. Wow. Okay. What'd you think I said? I didn't know what, no, I heard what you said. It just didn't, the words made, meant nothing. <laughs> you didn't immediately think of Baby Nut, the beloved character. That's the, yeah, that's on you, I think. Um, the, it, it, it's so, yeah, the, it's, it's weird that like Pokemon Go had, I guess it's still being played in droves. I guess still a ton of, ton of people are still playing it, but mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's fallen, fallen out of the collective consciousness. It had the most profitable month of, I think, since launch in March of this year when everyone wow. had to go into lockdown. And so people were like buying a bunch of stuff on it and playing it again. Um, but that, I mean, now it's, it's back. To, I mean, there's a huge player base and the subreddit is extremely active, but it's not, it's not a community in the way that I feel like Eve is describing about like, like after you finish Pokemon Go, you don't talk to those people again. Or maybe that's just me. I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> while I, 
I wanted to, to so I want to ask you, Eva, before we get into this game, Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know uh, we 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 covered a couple graphic adventures. I know that's a genre that you like. Um, and this is this game's like adjacent to a graphic adventure in the same that it's a lot of a lot of lateral thinking puzzles, but it's not exactly. But like, are there other games in this genre or other types of games like Obra Din um, that you've responded to? Well, actually, I really responded to. I guess we'll probably talk about the aesthetic of Obra Din because mm-hmm. it reminded me of a lot of games I played in the eighties. Specifically, like, there's this one I was looking it up called Deja Vu. Oh, yeah. And then the Mm. Deja Vu 2, Lost in Las Vegas. And these were the detective games that were first person, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. And we're black and white. And I I think one of them got ported to like Nintendo, but they're super tense, like to the point that like you would get super scared playing them as a little kid. Um, uh, Like, you go down into the sewer and like a black and white alligator comes at you, and you can, it's like, still and you're snapping a little bit but it's it's just like unnerving um and then uh, a a newer game that has been ma- actually reminding me of this kind of structure is disco elysium which i'm in the middle of right now i've been meaning hey, to play that heather played I've, that i've yeah i've played about i uh, half i don't know half of that um yeah, i'm a little ways in but it's got like a cool puzzle kind of brain to it yeah, my favorite part about it is that the way you answer questions describes your own personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, like, you can play a libertarian, uh, a communist, a white nationalist, a <laughs> yeah. like uh, a centrist. There's like a path for centrism. That's the one that grossed me out the most. <laughs> <laughs> Whose fantasy is that? What sick fuck wants to pretend to be a centrist? But you. What's also funny is that, like, every one of them, as far as I could tell, every one of them is mocked by the game. Like, there's no, like, it's not like, oh, that's a good way of thinking. Because your sidekick, no matter what, is like, your your thinking is terrible. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's interesting. The writing in that game I find very clever, Mm -hmm. but in a, a very dense and endless way. Yeah. One of those games that I I know that for based on everyone I know who likes it and all everything I've read, like I know when I play it that I will love it, but I just haven't played it yet for whatever reason. And also in that category, this week's game, The Return of the Obra Din, or just Return of the Obra Din, uh, which I actually had, I bought like when it came out and was sitting in my Steam library unplayed for almost two years mm-hmm. until we decided to cover it for this podcast. Uh, and... Honestly, one of the times I I like having this podcast is when I, when it's just like <laughs> it's like I, I I I like we have a game that I've been meaning to play and now I have an excuse to play it uh because I knew I was going to I I felt like I was going to love this game and spoiler alert I ended up loving it. Um but had you played Return of the Oberdin before we uh, before we uh, before the show? I I played it about a year and a half ago and I given up on it actually i i really enjoyed it but i just something yeah. happened i got busy and it, it's not that long of a game but there was a point at which i just kind of got stuck i didn't feel like like grinding and i just kind of put it away and so yes. actually playing it for the podcast was coming back to it and starting over was really interesting um yeah a, a good move if you ever get stuck in a game i find is just to sort of like just start from scratch because you can usually blaze through the first uh, part of it and mm. and you're more uh, like I, I don't know i at least for me games i've had uh you know i, I played two hours of and then put aside 
when I come back to it, doing what you did, like starting from scratch always works better for me than trying to continue that, that, you know, 10% in save. Um, so this game was, I, I, I and I, I want to be just explicit here before we get into talking about it. And Heather, you can, you can feel free to, to steer the ship, steer the, uh, the ship. How appropriate given the game we're discussing. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to give a very explicit spoiler warning. If you are like me and you thought you would love this game but haven't played it yet and are interested in playing it, I feel like we are getting into spoiler territory and this is one that that is beneficial, I think, to the experience to go in not knowing very much. Um, so I would say that maybe this is one that, yeah, play the game and then listen to this episode if you're interested in playing it or haven't and, and haven't yet played it. Um, but Heather, uh, go go for it. Well, um, I don't know if you've heard of Papers, Please, but it was a pretty big hit that uh, came out for a bunch of different systems, and it was created by Lucas Pope. Lucas Pope's follow-up to that game was Return of the Obra Den, a puzzle video game that takes place in uh, the East India Trading Company in 1807, uh, and there's a ghost ship that's been missing for five years. It reappears and you play a detective with a magical pocket watch who has to go through the ship and point the pocket watch at skeletons, and then uh, you'll see images of their death, and you have to solve the mystery of how everybody on the boat died. Um, And if that sounds exciting to you, this is the game for you. (laughs) (laughs) The watch is called the Memento Mori, and you get it very early on. It is like, yeah, it's just like a little stopwatch. Um, one of the few, you know, there's, there's a lot of the, there's not a lot of animation in this game. It's a, it's a lot of just static stuff you're looking at. So one of the few things that animates are the, are the, um, hands of this, uh, this, this pocket watch. Uh, and, but also you mentioned the art earlier, uh, Eva, and this game has a striking aesthetic. In fact, I think yes. probably if you haven't heard of this game, but you've, you've maybe seen images of it, um, which is a. It's it's got this one bit monochrome look. Looks like the original Macintosh, like you know, just like that old school '80s computer uh, that's just black and white or green and black. Uh, you can you can change your monitor style or your display type uh, within the 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 game's interface. So like if you want to play like a Commodore, you'll get like a light blue on on dark blue, uh, which I actually found more comfortable for my eyes. But it is it's very visually distinct from really any other game of this era that I've played. Yeah, I mean, it It, it came out in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, it came out in 2018. And there are no, there, I don't think there are any games like it visually other than the ones that originally occurred on these systems. Like, nobody's been like, oh man, I want to make a game that looks like a Mac game. That being said, I'm speaking out of my ass and i'm sure that there's some indie developer out there who's made an aesthetic that looks like original macintosh and i just haven't heard of it and i'm lazy and i didn't do my research and you know what that's okay (laughs) call me out on twitter um just follow me first and tell all your friends to follow me (laughs) uh it sounded like when i was reading some stuff but about lucas pope making this game it sounded like deciding to build the game in with this engine was a terrible idea for him. That it just like it ruined years of his life trying to actually program it, which is really interesting. Yeah, he worked backwards. So he really was really was a one man band approach to development. I mean, he, other than the voice actors and the localization, he did it all himself, including the art, the music, the programming, the design. And 
it uh, uh, you know like like to, to your point what he what was going what he's going through the development is a lot of people are were getting because it's 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 played in a, from a first person perspective and it's smooth scrolling and that matched with this aesthetic was makes made a lot of people nauseated i guess it's still making people nauseated a lot of people are getting motion sickness from playing this game but he had to there had to be a lot of refinements mm. uh to the engine to make it visually not so jarring to uh, to to look at uh but it is but i think it looks great like i i love the choice of uh i i love the visuals i mean i i, I think it's just such a unique approach to uh to an art style and and it's it like it, it to it, you know considering so much of the game is living in memories and you know like like uh, like this is a ship that has been gone for five years and i'm trying to like from faint clues trying to to figure out what happened i i think it actually kind of works with that us artistically yeah i mean i am a human who has their ipad set on black and white mode and then i uh have an original macintosh keyboard hooked up to my ipad Ooh, and that's I, awesome am I love the aesthetic of the old Macs, like both in terms of the hardware and the software and the design on the screen, the actual resolution of the screen. So this this was magic. I don't like puzzle games, but I gave this one more of a shot just because I liked looking at it. Mm. And that, I think, I don't know if Pope was like, I don't know who his intended audience was, but if there was a me who liked puzzles, they would have really, really liked this game. Mm. That's cool. Well, maybe that's me, Heather. You ever think <laughs> about that? Um, <laughs> didn't you just say that you got you you had to turn it off of Mac? You turned you turned it to Tandy or something, didn't you? I turned it to Commodore. I turned it to Blue, but I actually did play. I did play it on Mac for a little bit. It's it's. It is fun to try to play with those different monochrome dis- displays, though. Uh, yeah. The so so the gameplay is you you've got the Memento Mori, you've got the stopwatch or and um or this pocket watch. Is it a pocket watch or is it a stopwatch? I don't fucking know. It's it's a um a magical object in the shape of a pocket watch. It's uh I think it's actually it's called the Memento Morum Mortem. It's not Mortem? the Memento Mori. That means remember death. This is an object. Hold on. Yeah. Memento mortem. A pocket watch like, from Wikipedia says, pocket watch like device that can be used on a corpse. <laughs> also, very cool. Just a, just one detail that I really do like is that it's he, you, your job is you're an insurance inspector. It's yes. like the most boring job to have as a character in a game. And I think the sub, like, it says on the title page card, uh, Return of the Oberdin, an insurance adventure. <laughs> <laughs> So the mechanics of the game are that you see a death. Every time you point your watch, you see somebody's death. The, the, the trick where the puzzle comes in is that you don't know who that person is and you don't know who is killing them or what you, you have to ascribe an object that is killing them. So like the first death you encounter is most likely going to be the captain shooting some dude. And you're like, okay, this dude was shot, but you don't know who who he is. You get like a photograph of him where you can identify his corpse in the photograph, but that is it. And all of the game is like cross-referencing humans against humans. So it's like, you'll hear a little bit of dialogue and it'll be like, uh, Miss Marvis, 
Miss Marvis, <laughs> be careful. And then you'll like see a vignette frozen in time where mm-hmm. she's like cutting her own throat with a steak knife or something. <laughs> and you're like, well, Miss Marvis cut her throat with a steak knife. And you put that in the book and there's like a little chime every time you get three of them right that yes. like reinforce one another. Hey, speaking um, of that chime, Matt, can we play that chime sound? Because I found this to be one of the most satisfying bits of feedback to a positive feedback to encounter. (laughs) You've successfully figured out three murders and then you hear this. And that's a thing that you've maybe struggled. You maybe spent a half hour trying to figure out what the like, oh, who the fuck, who killed who with what? And then you figure it out and then you lock them in and then you hear that to uh, affirm that you are correct. And man, just like it put a smile on my face every time. Miss Marvis, what are you doing? Oh, no, Miss Marvis. <laughs> and you see like a woman and she's on fire. And she's got the match in her own hand and a bucket of gasoline next to her. And then you like put in the little book, Miss Marvis burned herself alive. And that's that's the game. Yes. <laughs> Toby was there. Who's, yeah. What's Toby's job? Uh, I guess yeah. we got to find out. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that it's not always that one to one. So like like in that first example you gave with, uh, yeah. you know, like they say you don't you you see that the, the that you hear Captain and like you, so you know that they're that the captain is the one with the gun, uh, yeah. but you don't know who his victims are, and you won't right. know until much later in the story. Right. And so you investigate one death that usually leads to another death, and then you see the sequence event of events. It's all divided into chapters, and you're you're starting at the very end. The very first chapter you explore is is literally called the end, um, and then you're kind of jumping around in time, uh, depending on where you are in the boat, to see these different sequences of fatalities that you're trying to captain don't shoot me in the face okay open your book (laughs) (laughs) captain Captain shot that guy in the face still know who he is yeah (laughs) and the way you figure out some of these the identities of these people is so obtuse it's like i i mean like after i gave up on the game which i did Uh, And then I watched somebody else play hours and hours of it. Like one of the puzzles is solved by noticing that a woman is wearing a wedding ring. Like, yes. Mm. You know what? One cool, great puzzle design. On the other (laughs) hand, fuck you, dude. Like that's bullshit. How when I can't sometimes I don't even notice if I have changed my clothes in two days. Like, how am I going to notice a, a wedding ring on a video game character? Yeah, we notice. Well, look out! Look out! She's wearing a wedding ring! <laughs> See, you need to be, you need to redo the, all the voices for the whole game. And yeah, it'll be a much easier game. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I will say, I finished the game. It took me about 13 hours, which I think is actually Holy more than average. Shit. Um, because it's, uh, yeah, I got, I definitely got stumped on a few things. Um, and, uh, and uh, there's, there's a bit of frustration that happens in particular with, so they're over a portrait and this is a thing that's not necessarily explained right away. Um, but over the portrait of the, so every it, it, Heather said photographs, but it's actually a, a, there's a sketch 
of the entire crew that you can refer to. And over each of their heads, there is like when you're when someone is a victim, um, they're like triangles over their head uh, going from one to three in terms of how hard it is to figure out this person's identity based on the information you've been given. And sometimes like you'll there'll be a three triangle person where I'm just like, oh, I know who this is. I can figure this out from context clues. But then a one triangle person that I can't figure out, I felt so fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. And I was so fresh. That was like the most frustrated I've been uh, trying to solve puzzles in a while being like, who the fuck is this guy? And then realizing they said Brennan uh, in that scene when I watched it for the fourth time and being like, oh, it's fucking Brennan. They they said the name Brennan. I just didn't realize who it was. I thought it was referring to a different guy. Brennan, be careful. That's <laughs> boiling water you're pouring on your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the dumb dumb. They're just all dying from being little dumb dumbs. Yeah. <laughs> in Heather's version. <laughs> um, and, and and I do think that I, I will say, I, again, I love this game, but I do wish there was maybe a little bit more hand-holding past the first, which is sequentially the last chapter. Uh, because So you have this first, this first sequence is Captain shoots a guy. Uh, and uh, there are two appear, appear, mutineers, it appears, that you can infer, are trying to get into the captain's cabin. cabin sh captain shoots one of them. The next scene you see, uh, one of those guys attacks the captain. The captain kills him with a knife. Next scene you see, another guy comes from the other side, attacks the captain with, with a knife. Um, the captain kills him with a club. Uh, and then the next thing is the captain shoots himself in the head or shoots himself in the chest, rather. So you can kind of like you put you stitch all those together and that's all pretty straightforward. It's basically like a tutorial level because it's very straightforward in terms of who killed who, um, even if you don't know the identities of all the victims. But then the next thing you get led into is this Kraken attack in this chapter, The Doom, which I think is maybe the most complicated thing in the whole uh, the whole fucking game because yeah. you go from like like four characters in a confined space to the spanning multiple decks on the ship and like 20 characters of a 60 member uh, 60 character cast total uh, uh, whose identities and deaths you need to figure out um, and or fates rather that you need to figure out since some of them lived. And it's it's like that's the part where it's just like, fuck, man, this is getting to, to use Heather's word really obtuse really fast. Well, yeah. to be fair, most of the dialogue in that section was like, oh, look out, the Kraken's <laughs> killing me. Like there wasn't a lot. Right. Of <laughs> Get below. <laughs> I've angered the Kraken. It has a gun. I'm being shot by the Kraken. <laughs> um. The thing, though, about that turnover that is super fun, Nick, for me, is that it goes just right from this, let's admit it, super handsome and badass captain yeah. fucking kicking ass. I mean, I think the captain, I think he kind of rules. Uh, just killing everybody <laughs> like John Wick. <laughs> yeah, he's, then, taking, he's kicking ass and taking names. And then... But when he... Uh, when you he's, find so his good, he's so good at killing people, he ended up killing himself. Yeah. Am I right, guys? <laughs> Imagine if John Wick went through a scene, shot everybody else, and then went, there's one more, and blew his own brains out. Uh, Heather, did you just side note, did you did you get to the finale? No. I mean, in the in a tutorial watch, what do you call it? A YouTube. I watched a person play it and saw the whole thing. Yes. Okay. The like finale yeah. finale. He he's extra bad. He's extra badass for no reason yeah. in the finale. Oh yeah, but saying that thing of being like the break into the next chapter is like, oh, fuck monsters, which is you just right. get in right in the middle of it. You're like, oh, this is just about a captain that kills people. And then it's like, no, there's squids. 
Yes, yeah. and that, and and at first, and you don't even know necessarily that it's supernatural. At least I didn't. I was like, oh, it's just a giant squid. But then the next sequence, or when you as you keep progressing, you end up with fucking uh, uh they're they're like crab creatures that are that are that they call devils that come up from the sea that have like humanoid forms atop them and that they throw spears at you. Um, are they? And they're then like they're, ghosts are riding on the crabs, kind of. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like demons on their backs, and then, uh, and then there's also mermaids with six boobs that also throw spears at you. Spike it's, mermaids. Yeah, the spike <laughs> mermaids. And so, and and that starts to unveil. You start to see more and more of this shit, and you're like, oh, this is this is really crazy. This is not just a, uh, you know, this is not just some people fell overboard in a storm. This is something something uh, demonic is happening. See, if I'd been in this insurance claims adjuster, as soon as I saw the crab. Ghosts. I'd be like, no, oh, I'm just gonna fill out the rest of this book with like fell overboard, <laughs> fell overboard, <laughs> crab ghosts, <laughs> crab ghosts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. In the reality of this game, like the East India Company is getting this logbook of how everyone died, and then just sort of saying like, okay, uh, murdered by crab ghost who threw a spear. <laughs> sure. Uh, we'll go ahead and pay out twenty five pounds to their estate. Like they're just taking this in stride. Yeah. I like that in the middle, there's just a murder mystery, too. Yes. That's a fun little puzzle. Well, I think that actually that one was and and I think that maybe might have, you know, to me as as far as like coming off of that sort of that quote unquote tutorial intro, I feel like that's the one that's most like, OK, I'm starting to understand this game um, because you have a you have a very you have an execution that you're seeing. Uh, which is where they say the executed person's name. So you're like, I, you, I know exactly who this is. Jonathan, it's time to die. <laughs> like that? <laughs> and then you see a bunch of, uh, and then, uh, but then you see a firing line, firing shots. But since the, the image is this 3D diorama that you can walk around in frozen in time, if you're paying attention, you see that only one of the bullets penetrated the corpse. And so you can connect it to the person who fired it and be like, oh shit, it's that guy that killed that the fucking captain uh, killed with a knife earlier, and then you can connect all those dots and things start to fall into place. Uh, but yeah, that's that, that tied in with the murder mystery like you're talking about with the... Uh, so there's there's the there's Formosan royalty on board that you know because they're given a separate section of the photograph, a little inset, um, labeling them as such, and they have some sort of mysterious cargo uh, that one of the... Uh, I uh, got lost in which mate it was. The second mate, I think, is trying to steal this precious cargo, and so he ends up killing this Italian passenger. Um, and uh, and yeah, th- so there's all this stuff going on uh, there. It's like like the narrative is is really really dense and layered on top of each other. And I I guess that's what what ended up consuming most of the development time was actually trying to figure out how this would work story wise. There was an interview with him with Pope where he was like, you know, a lot of people aren't dying all of the time. Like, so it's hard to like put all of like to come up with deaths was <laughs> difficult. And then like right. to layer them. Cause yeah, I mean like, I don't know if I was writing a boat thing about people dying, I'd be like, okay, it's some shooting, some stabbing, some crushings, some mechanical failures. But that, I mean, that doesn't, Cover 60 people. I wonder yeah. if he got to a certain point and was like, shit, I need like 10 more people so that I can make all of this work. Mm. Or or like if he was like his goal was like, I'll do like a it's like a 10 person boat. Or if at every point he's like, you know, I'm going to go I'm going to aim at 60 dudes and a couple yeah. of chicks 
and uh, and and yeah. From what I read, he started with more because an actual ship of this size in the era would be crewed up with like 200 people or something absurd. So he it it really got scaled down. But yes, as as you're going through all the different ways that people die, uh, there are some some pretty elaborate ones, uh, including a personal favorite of mine uh, that you get to hear the audio of. Uh, Matt, can we play this clip? Hey, Matt, I'm sorry. I couldn't I couldn't hear you over Nick. Could you replay that audio, please? (laughs) So that's a guy who dies shitting. And it is what's great is that you don't like like in that sound design. It's you can't really tell when shitting turns into bones being snapped by what ends up being the crack revealed as the Kraken's tentacles. He's the first victim of the Kraken. Um, but it is, uh, that's one of the, actually the solution to that puzzle. I liked a lot because it's the, it's the only guy not depicted in the sketch. And the way you figure it out is from his initials, uh, which was used to sign the sketch. And you're like, Oh, okay. That's the guy. The guy who drew the picture of everyone is the guy who had this ignoble death uh, with his pants around his ankles dropping a messy deuce off the edge of a ship. I feel like a Kraken would squeeze you like a Heinz bottle. Like it would just squeeze everything out of you before you killed you. I feel like you made it more accurate. Yeah, maybe you felt great. Um, I really like those ones that come from clue, like the ones like that, or the ones that come with clue from clues outside of the scenelets. The ones where you're getting the, you know, like the author's note has a very, uh, you know, a clear clue for a number of people's fates. Um, and the, that's it. That's the forward to the book. Uh, the sketch artist's initials I mentioned. Yeah, this a very on the nose one, but like the helmsman you see in the the sketch. There isn't a lot to identify him except that you see him in the sketch. Uh, holding the ship's wheel. And then there's actually a glossary in the back, which defines everyone's role. So, you know, if you refer to that, you can be like, oh, okay, that's who this guy is. There's also like, I I definitely, I had to look at hints eventually this time around, but um, I went as far as I could without doing it. But one interesting hint, they that there's like a little nudge guide on Steam. And one of the interesting things is that like, they, they say people with the same job hang out together and yes. people from the same, like who are the same ethnicity, hang out together on this ship. So if you if there's like a a guy you know is Russian and he's with someone else, you'd be like maybe that's another Russian guy, or maybe they're both uh, like we uh, are both Russian. <laughs> Why don't we shoot each other in the head? In Heather's version, there are monsters, but everyone just kills themselves or each other. <laughs> all the monsters I am, I'm so tired of being on the boat. Please, to our triggers at the same time, we both kill ourselves. Just to ship a suicidal buffoons <laughs> who also say exactly who they are. Um, I had a, a like, yeah, I will say that 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 cl- that you know that bit of of knowledge is is very helpful for tackling some of these puzzles. There's also things that you can very easily miss, like the bunks have a number and that number corresponds to the ship's log. 
And so you can from that, you know, like like uh, there there's a few guys, the the uh, 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 the Indian seamen uh, who work at uh, or who who, who fall vic- Take it easy. That's the name of their role, Heather. <laughs> if you refer to the ship's glossary, you know they were called seamen. Just talk about it like adults. Are each one is each one a seaman? Uh, yeah, I think each one is a seaman. Speaking of seaman, today's yeah. the twenty first anniversary of the release of that game. Wow! Today? Did you yeah. have? Do you? How do you know that? You just know. Is <laughs> <laughs> it on your paper calendar and your phone and it's, your computer? Look, there are things I can't. They're locked in the brain, and they and they will not release me. And one of them is is that today is, I believe. Well, now I have to double check. Should we look? Oh, I'm sorry, I challenged you. I want Sea Man. All right, Sea Man. Sea <laughs> Man video game uh, was released. Uh, July 29th, 1999. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Your brain is insane, Heather. Fucking, please help me. <laughs> so, if you were born the day Seaman released, you can now legally buy alcohol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can now legally buy the game. <laughs> <laughs> So, so like in that, you know, the bunk numbers, you can, there's, there's the Indian seamen who get uh, pneumonia and they die of illness. And, you, you know, you can you check their bunk numbers and you can uh, knock, knock them off like, like, you know, one, two, three, because you could just tell who's in what bunk and then match it to their names on the roster. Um, but then you compare that to with like, it's kind of like the, uh, in, in terms of different ethnic groups and their bunks and as used for puzzles in this one scenelet and this one diorama, it's like, that one is is too easy. And then the one with the where you've got to figure out the different Chinese top men based on their stockings and their shoe types hanging out of their covers with their faces covered, which is a detail like once even when I when I knew uh, what to look for, I had a hard time discerning like, oh, this guy has different stockings than this guy, I guess. Oh, like, wow. I still felt like I was kind of brute forcing my way through those puzzles, just trying different names. But the but the Russians that you mentioned all playing cards by their bunks. One guy has a pipe in his bag, and then if you connect that with uh, he's got a pipe in an earlier scene, you can you can f- discern all of their identities from process of elimination. That to me was the in the three bears scenario. That was the just right one where I was just like, oh yeah, that one that puzzle really hit. Uh, but but I feel like the other one was the top man one was just like a little too obtuse. I liked. I had a I had a moment in my second playthrough recently where I got stuck actually just um, finding a body because I had been, I oh, right. gotten through like several chapters and I knew from my se- last playthrough that I had somehow gotten off the ship and I did not remember how I did it where you, there's a, a very fun mechanic where through a dead person that was brought on the ship, you get to leave the ship and go into like a skiff far right. off. And that's where you meet the six boob spike mermaids. Um, but it took me hours so just like walking around just these weird, empty, really frustratingly empty, uh, like the carpenter's room. And like, I know I've looked in this room already and I'd be like, I've seen that dead body before. 
until I found the guy I was looking for. It was really, uh, and that was like a, my bit, my biggest, like I did it moment. Um, right. Uh, yeah. And that first moment of transporting off the ship is quite magical. I think. Yeah, I, I definitely. Cause you, you get this whole, the, the, there's a whole chapter there and you get to see like six different deaths in sequence on these rowboats from people being attacked by mermaids. And then also like, there's some magic shell that is being used to shoot energy blast. It's like, it's like fucking wild. Yeah. Um, can I say, I'm going to say something that maybe will spur a, a larger conversation or maybe you guys will just be like, no, you're, you're dumb. Um, I don't. So one of the things I've realized about video games is that I do not find puzzles in games satisfying. Mm. Like I, it feels to me like if I can do something mechanically in a game, like physically mechanically that I didn't think I'd be able to do previous, like in a Dark Souls game, then I feel a sense of satisfaction and growth. But with a puzzle game, it feels like I'm doing somebody else's spreadsheet. Mm. And I don't, I'm like, there is nothing that I am achieving here. Like the, the sense I get at the end of a good, good puzzle is annoyance, not satisfaction. And so that's, Part of why this game was really frustrating to me was like, at no point was I like, oh, okay. Like it was mostly like, well, there's the detail and now it's filled in. Like it was, I I don't feel responsible for anything in a puzzle game. Do you get that same, like, do you get satisfaction out of like doing a shrine in Breath of the Wild? Like if there's some puzzle element there? Some of the shrines, no. Uh, some of the shrines I, I, I know, but like the mm-hmm. shrines where I got to fight a bad guy, those are great. So you just want combat. I guess what I'm learning about myself <laughs> in this podcast is I thirst for combat. I hate combat. I'm the exact opposite. Like I, if I have to fight somebody or like, I hate it. It's funny. I would rather play. I'd rather just play a puzzle route of anything, but yeah, it's interesting that Lucas Pope worked on Uncharted 1 and 2 and then left. Yes. Because it's like, I feel like those games have both elements, right? Yes. And he, I guess he went, the fact that he went from Uncharted 2 to Papers, Please, where you're just stamping people's passports, it's like very clear where his interests yeah. are. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, was, he was in charge of dialogue in Uncharted. He was just, it was only dialogue. He just had to come up with all the, all the quips. And it was, no, I'm kidding. That's not what his job is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I like puzzles and I get really tense and scared when I have to do combat. I mean, uh, clearly there's games for every kind of person. So it's not like I'm like, oh, this is a value judgment on a thing. But um, but yeah, I, I wish that I enjoyed puzzles because there are so many games out there that are like great puzzle, like this one. I can tell this is a great game, but there was no point of it uh, at which I enjoyed myself playing it at all. That being said, my maybe we're wrong about this game is going to be negative, not positive, because I know the game is good. So I wouldn't like somebody saying if I'm like, maybe we're wrong. And then I read a positive review. It's like, no, I agree with that. It's just not for me. You've really never gotten satisfaction out of solving a puzzle in a video game. I no, the water temple in Zelda in Ocarina of Time. No, 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 <laughs> no. Just a hard no. <laughs> like I didn't enjoy that at all. I don't. Am I like a like a 
basic beast of a, of a person? Like, am I like just like a dummy? <laughs> no, you is that have, what's happening? You have specific types of games gameplay you enjoy, which is like you said when you do something mechanically you couldn't do before. So if you like do some incredible combination or like shoot twenty people without missing like, one, or like yeah. a racing game when you finally win the race, like that's really satisfying to me. But if in the middle of the race they were like, uh oh, your engine is gone out get out of the car and fix it. I'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> fuck. But then if you had to, like, like while you're fixing the engine, they're like, oh shit, some ninjas. And then you have to fight them <laughs> off. You're back like on board. That. I'd like that a lot. But I, the, 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 I would say the only, is Tetris a puzzle game? I know, I think it's a mechanical. Okay, well, never mind thing. then. <laughs> do you like, do you, I mean, I love Tetris. I, I love Tetris too. That is good. I, th- oh. I mean, I think it would be, you know, just defined as a puzzle game, but it, it's the same thing of like, you know, both a flight sim and a sim city are classified as simulation games, but the, the word doesn't mean the same thing. You know, I, I think these, the sort of action puzzle games like your match threes or your, uh, or your Tetrises are in a different category than something like this, which is more of a graphic adventure, more of a lateral thinking uh, puzzle puzzle game. I will also say that I I kind of feel like both this and Papers, Please, while very awesome games that I love, are built to be punishing and slow. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. they don't have they they're purposefully counterintuitive with what kind of experience you think you're going to have when you turn on a game. I I think the most fun I've had playing a puzzle game is Braid because mm. it um, clothed the puzzles in movement. Like it wasn't like it. I mean, like if you were to remove all the graphics and everything, it would be like a dot moving around inside of a maze on every single screen. And how do you get the dot from this point to this point on the maze? But because it was, I'm stupid. Okay. So I'm dumb and I needed it to look like Mario in order for me to like engage with it. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's all the time I have. You guys can continue. <laughs> uh, I do want to share. So, so you know, you go through it, you solve all these mysteries. Um, there is a, you can just, there's a point where once you've unlocked every, every scene, once you've seen every death and found every corpse, you can get off of the boat and, and just leave and not solve the mystery. And if you do that, you get the bad ending. And this is what, what happens. You, you receive a letter, um, one year later, and this is the letter you get. Chief Inspector, I write to you with the unfortunate news that Dr. Evans has passed away. Dr. Evans is who you were supposed to, you, when you completed the book, you are supposed to ship it off to him. Um, he's the guy who writes the foreword. Uh, Dr. Evans has passed away. He succumbed to his illness shortly after receiving your package. Although his health was generally poor, receiving the Obradin book in such an incomplete state further disheartened him so thoroughly that he was unable to recover. He used his final moments to express the extreme regret he felt with entrusting such a remarkable task to you. We thought you should know. Regards, Jane Bird. <laughs> Just letting so you know that, that, that a man died angry and disappointed in you. <laughs> well, when you do, though, when you do complete it, you get a really fun bonus, which yes. I loved. I was delighted. 
Yeah, so the good ending is if you if you do complete the book successfully, you send it off. Uh, you have a one year time, you have a one week time jump, and then you get the assessment from the East India Company for what happened to uh, how everyone got paid out from the insurance company. Because again, to you are an, an you are an insurance adjuster, uh, and then uh, one year later, you have the one year time jump, and then you get another letter from uh, from Jane Bird. Uh, that also includes a package from Dr. Evans, and with inside of that is a monkey's paw. So you open it up, and you have this monkey's paw, and then you can use the memento mortem on the paw to see what happened in this one locked-off section of the ship that you could never get into. Uh, by the way, the ship's glossary defines all these terms, but it does not define a term that gets used a lot in this, which is lazarette. And I was just like, what oh, the, yeah. fuck, the fuck is a lazarette? <laughs> Throw a lazarette in the glossary. Oh, Give me some look context. out. Look out. He's being killed by that lazarette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fool. Lazarette actually refers to a room. <laughs> Make for the lazarette. His head is in the doorway and they're slamming the lazarette door on his head. Therefore, the Lazaret is killing him. Case <laughs> closed. Got it. Now I feel stupid. <laughs> so the uh, so yeah, you get this the good ending. You get you get the monkey's paw, and then you get to see what happened inside the Lazaret, inside this this locked off room of the ship. Where so earlier, when you start with a mutiny, it seems like the captain is the bad guy, and as the narrative progresses, Eva was saying, you start you start to learn that the captain is actually someone who is responding to his second mate um, trying to uh, abscond with uh, precious cargo and kidnaps of the Formosan royalty. Uh, and uh, the captain is trying to do damage control for these mermaids that got brought on board and these fucking spiders and the Kraken that attacked. And we're seeing in this final vignette that the captain is actually the one who saves the boat from the Kraken. But then a mutiny happens in the aftermath because uh, the, the crew members didn't know what actually took place. They thought he was just hiding down in the lazarette. Yes. The captain kicks the shit out of two like spike mermaids. Yeah, he, he just shoots <laughs> he shoots and stabs another one. Um and then the it turns out that the ship's doctor who is the person who wrote the book, Dr. Evans or who wrote the forward to the book and and sends it to you, um had killed his own pet monkey who you've seen it a bunch of times and then lopped off his paw so that that the magic watch that you had would give you access to this hidden room when you later acquired the paw from him. I love it. And yeah. they also call the monkey a, a friendly but not entirely pleasant monkey, which made me laugh. Because <laughs> earlier you just saw it be kind of shitty, and I was like, oh, this right. monkey sucks. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> even the insurance book is kind of rude about the monkey just existing and then die. It's fine. It lets you know it's fine. Yeah. That the monkey died. Um, but I like that the bargain at the end gives the captain one more chance to just like be a total badass. Just yes. Yeah, and then you basically like, you know, it's it's kind of a Raiders of the Lost Ark ending of just you close the book and then just put it on a shelf with a bunch of other books and that's the fucking end. Like this you investigated how 60 people died and now it's just going to be, you know, a little bit of history that someone will examine at some point in the future. Yeah. It, it's the ending feels a little bit like a, a little bit like well, aren't you satisfied with yourself? Like it's, it feels a little <laughs> bit pointed. Like mm. it's not like, and therefore everyone's families could be told the story of the Obra Din. Instead, it's more like, well, look at you, you fucking did it. 
Yeah. Put it on your shelf next to all your other fucking books of all the other ones you've done. Yeah. Nice job, insurance guy. Yeah. Congratulations, (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Learned that a top man's life is worth 10 pounds. There you go. Uh, It's it is. Yeah. Like like it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess that does kind of speak to I I think thematically it 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 kind of works for me, though, because it's talking about it's it's all just like like about like what this whole exercise was futile. They went on this fucking voyage. Everyone died. And for what? You know, at the end, at the end of the day, it it didn't fucking matter and your investigation of it didn't fucking matter yeah and i get i could but i do see how that could be a very unsatisfying ending for some people (laughs) who just spend a dozen hours playing it racking their brains uh well i guess it's probably time we should get to our review crew so we'll say something positive about return of the obra din and give it a numerical decimal rating. My positive, gotta hear it one more time. That sound you hear when you get three answers right. Uh, I think it's a pretty ingenious design and I I really enjoyed playing it even though some of it's a little bit maybe just a touch more obtuse than I'd like but I'm gonna gonna give this a 9.4 go ahead Eva Um, I I really love uh, I love this game uh, because I love nautical shit uh, like uh, Moby Dick stuff and uh, the terror uh, season one that's awesome. That's great. Men on ships just swinging around on ropes, dying of cholera and other kind of mercury poisoning, <laughs> shitting themselves. It's great. And I can't get enough of that stuff. And um, one thing that I do really like about the whole game is that even though you're only getting these tiny s- snippets of of dialogue and these um and the like, uh, just these frozen images of these of these characters. I think the characters are awesome. Like you actually yes. end up projecting a lot of inner life into them, and just the, the way he draws them and the kind of uh, beyond the captain, who's you know my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just cool. Like there's a there's a really great sequence where a, a guy is a. Uh, dying of like some sort of uh virus and they've dragged him into the carpenter's uh room and the doctor's looking at the guy and you can just see like the carpenter just sitting with his feet flung up like being like a piece of shit and I, immediately like my brain is like what's with this carpenter like why doesn't he care about anybody and just like these little snippets like well written well well delivered and like the character design just gives the game like a whole second level of of depth and narrative that i really love um, and I enjoyed it. Um, it, I will say though, it is a slog at times and, um, I had to get hints. And so I will give it a 8.5. Wow. Good score. All right, Heather, something positive and your review. I wish that we had never progressed beyond the Macintosh display. I wish that we had <laughs> flat screens and they were still like that. Game Boy camera, dot matrix, one bit graphic. Like, how cool would Zoom be if oh. we looked like we were on Macs, right? 
Like, how cool would Photoshop be if you took a picture, it looked like it did on a Mac screen, and then you could manipulate it? Like, everything would be so fun, Mm. and it would be a really neat sort of, like, sideways future dystopia look. So, on that measure, I, I mean, like, fucking make more games that look like this, please. I love it. I love it so much. It was the highlight of the game. That's the thing that I loved. The rest of the game... Um, I was not, it's not for me. It's all extremely well-made, well-designed, great voice acting, cool gimmick, fucking, somebody's going to be like, this is my favorite game of all time. And very few games that we play on this podcast that can be said about them. Like, I don't think anybody is like legitimately saying James Pond (laughs) is my favorite game of all time. Um, so... I'm going to give this game two scores, one for me and one for other people. My score is three because it was like, that's maximum I'll give for an aesthetic. It was fucking incredible. Like there's 30% of this game, solid three. For other people, this game is probably a nine. So what's the average is six, right? Yeah. So I'll give it a six. Fair enough. All right, Matt, take us home. All right. So, we know this about me. I think space, better than old. Yes. But ocean beats all, right? <laughs> you do love right. the ocean. I love the ocean. I love things about the ocean. So, this is an interesting sort of segment of this Venn diagram here. This is old ocean. It's like not necessarily <laughs> in the ocean, mm. but it's, you know, ocean adjacent and, you know, creatures from the ocean. So, I was delighted that I got to sort of check this box because, like, it also, like... um it, it reminded me in some ways, not exactly similar, but it reminded me of um, uh, The Lighthouse, which was one of my favorite movies from last year, which I adored. I loved that movie. Um, and for similar reasons for it being old and near the ocean. Um, <laughs> but I also, I felt, I'm not a smart man, so I didn't, I, I had a hard time solving a lot of these puzzles, but I, I felt like a genius when I, when I was getting them. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I loved... I frankly just liked seeing, I like sea monsters, I guess. I like seeing sea monsters, and I thought yeah. it was such a, I didn't know that that was part of it. I was excited to play this game because um, I it had been in my, sort of like in my wish list uh, for a while. I just hadn't ever pulled the trigger. So finally getting to play this and learning more about what it was uh, was just great. So I'm, and I, you know, um, I, I, I loved it. So I'm just going to get, I'm going to give it an eight as well because I, wow. yeah, I just, I really enjoyed myself with this one. Great. Solid scores all around. But Heather, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. We've got, um... We've gone all over the internet and collected <laughs> reviews from people who disagree with us. Now I'm going to shit myself while hanging myself. <laughs> Wait a Uh, I've got a review here from the Steam community, uh, which is, again, I disagree with this. This game is trash, says criminal scum. (laughs) The movement of the plot is not fluid. The story is repetitive and bland. The characters are not interesting. To go to every moment, you got to go near the corpse every time. There's little to no mystery about it in a mystery game. Some clues look like decoration, but they're actually clues. It's just a boring game. 
comparing this game's quality to Papers, Please, and I can honestly say that game was a masterpiece. This is not. I really wanted to like this game, but for the reasons I've counted, I couldn't. What a fascinating perspective. Someone who liked Papers, Please, and didn't like this. Yeah. That's maybe the one guy. Yeah. <laughs> also, the decoration he's talking about is like the dead animal in the one. Yeah, spot. I guess so. <laughs> well, yeah, because put- there's a there's a there's a cow skull that's mounted at, at one point, and that ends up being the technically the death you've got to investigate. He put in parentheses, and I skipped it. Uh, for example, but there are actually clues, and then he put in them parentheses. For example, the numbers on the hammocks disappear when you take three steps back, so they look like they're part of the blankets. Mm. I mean, oh. okay. That's just a rendering thing, though, right? That's not a, that's not a, by design. I I mean I don't know. <laughs> I can't read the minds. <laughs> um, I got another review from the Steam store. This is from Cactus. Right. Not recommended. I spent like three hours trying to fix the graphics before I realized they're supposed to look like that. <laughs> um, ew! No, thank you. <laughs> oh well. I've got I've got one more from the Steam community from a review that I believe has been deleted, uh, but it was still quoted in another uh, review. Um, and the user, I think, has been deleted, too. I wonder if the author Lucas Pope slept with all the females who are directors at game review companies to get so many 10 out of 10 scores. I don't get it. He must have seduced them somehow. <laughs> Yikes! Revert Gamergate goes both directions. Yeah. yeah. Are there female reviewers at game companies? I mean, I was a female reviewer at a game company. But Did you no. sleep with Lucas Pope? I I did and then I used the memento morum to go back in time to when I was a games journalist and wrote a positive review oh man it was boy that dick was great (laughs) why are you speaking in a Scottish accent (laughs) Scottish (laughs) Um, hey I've got one from that wasn't Scottish what was that oh oh, oi oh oi I'm from Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I got another one. This is actually a perspective from my my old game development colleague, Dave Potter, who's a veteran artist and designer who worked for Westwood in the Command and Conquer series, worked for Telltale for a bit. Uh, He's a longtime longtime industry veteran, and he wrote me about this game because he saw I was playing it. And and I just want to share this because I thought this was interesting from a designer's perspective. Besides just being straight up good, Oberdin was a genius way for a single developer to make a game. There's only one location, and the monochrome graphics not only tug at the heartstrings of nerds like us, lol, I don't know who that's directed at, uh, but also mean (laughs) everything can look comic book realistic but doesn't have to approach photographic realism, which makes art creation all that more time-intensive, people-intensive, and costly. There's a ton of characters, but as the story is only told in freeze-framed moments in time, there's no character animation, which is also crazy time and people-consuming and costly. And it's not like, yeah, it's it's like he really leaned into this aesthetic choice, which did end up being extraordinarily time consuming in terms of how much development it was. But I I, I, I just thought that was a really interesting way to think of it, of just like, oh, yeah, by by just deciding, hey, characters aren't really going to animate in this game. Um, you, you can have a gigantic cast and, you know, have all these different things happening, but, you know, make this actually an achievable amount of labor for one individual. Uh, but yeah, I just I just thought that was an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
By the way, uh, Dave is developing an indie puzzle platformer of his own called Cheer and Track, uh, which you can check out the development of at cheerandtrack.com. Cool. Uh, thanks, Dave Potter, for writing in. Uh, hey, Matt, it's time for the question block. Ba-ding! All right. This one is from at tritium underscore H3 on Twitter. I love this game, but by its very nature, you can only play it once. What is a game you wish you could play with fresh eyes? Hmm. Good question. I, I will. I mean, yeah, I guess you can only play it once in terms of once you know the solutions, you know, there's there's just the only reason to go through it is to experience the narrative again. I actually did go through it a second time um, just because there's an achievement. The the captain did it, which you get from just saying the captain killed everyone, <laughs> um, which he 100 percent could. Because uh, as we mentioned, he's a badass. Um, but he uh, like if but by doing that, and then I just I rewatched all the vignettes, and I I found it satisfying. I was like, it's fun just to watch all these little scenes and watching it. Like I don't know. I mean, it's it's like rewatching a a fucking movie that you know the twist ending of. You just sort of you you pick up on all the hints, and you're like, oh, I missed that little detail. Oh, I missed that this guy is hanging out with this guy er- in this earlier scene, which might have clued me into his identity a a, a little sooner if I'd noticed it. You know. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Do you guys, that, that was me not answering the question. Uh, but do you guys have a, 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 any games that you'd like to play with fresh eyes for the first time if possible? I mean, I, 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 I wish I could. So I love final fantasy 12. Um, but I maximized that game when I played it, like every corner, every thing in that game. And I am not the kind of person who's like, oh, I'm going to go back and put another 120 hours into this thing. But I do wish I could play it again. It's just not. It's uh, like it feels like a waste of time now that I've played the entire thing. Right. And I really I miss it. I love the music and the aesthetics and everything. Uh, And yeah, that would be the one that I wish I could forget. You know, on the on the Final Fantasy note, playing playing through Final Fantasy seven remake, which I loved. It did make me be like, oh, man, that feeling of playing through Final Fantasy VII for the first time, maybe the most awestruck I've ever been playing a video game. Just my, just my mind just fucking blown at the production value and the story um, and, you know, the, the, the JRPG gameplay really connecting for me because I like that genre. So, yeah, that might be I, I think I'd also have to have a, 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 a teenager's brain to have the same level of appreciation. But if I could go back in time to 1997 or whenever it was and replay Final Fantasy VII for the first time and also correct all the mistakes I made in my life uh, <laughs> over the next 20 years. Uh, that would be pretty great. Uh, Eva, anything come to mind? Um, Last of Us 2. Mm. Oh, it hell yeah. One of my like all-time best experiences playing a game and I can never, I'll never play it again. And you don't even like combat. Yeah. I could I I did a lot of more stealth than usual on that game. But yeah, it was just anyone I had to like I immediately gave it away as soon as I finished. I was like I'm I can't put this in again. I can never like touch like the fact that you played it twice in a row like blows my mind, Nick. Is it <laughs> is it because it was just so emotionally draining? Is that what it was? Yeah, just the emotional like terror of it and just I loved it and and I was like someone else needs to have this experience and it would be like yeah. Anyway, I, maybe in a, maybe in like ten years I can play it again. I want to. I like. I want to play it again already. I'm I just love like that. I'm so yeah. Um, but it's 
Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying because I, I, I had, I knew very, I knew basically, I didn't even read the leaks when I played the game. Like, I didn't even know like the, uh, the big one which happens in the early part of of gameplay, and so yeah, knowing absolutely nothing about that game, it, it was a pretty crazy experience. Uh, Matt, any anything, any games you'd like to experience for the first time? Re-experience. First thing I thought of was um, Snake Eater, uh, Metal Gear Solid Three. I just there's wow. something about that game. Like when, because I didn't play it like right when it came out. I I think I got to it like maybe a couple years after the fact. But like once I started playing that game, I just couldn't put it down and just like I loved it. I still think it's one of my favorite video games of all time. And I I just found it recently and was thinking about putting it back in. But because I, I bet you it doesn't um it hasn't aged too too bad for PlayStation Two era graphics. But I I bet you I could be wrong. Uh, but I, I loved it. I just, I, I love that game. Uh, you know what that makes me think of, Matt? What's that? <laughs> wow. So you had this ready to go without knowing I was going to say this. Uh, that's exactly what i wanted to happen one of the things that comes up when you search for this is steve jobs insult real highest quality (laughs) that's recommended for him yeah, that's <laughs> you just watch like Steve Jobs insult people. I watch a lot of like, you know, Elon Musk owns Heckler. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos snaps back at questioner Q&A. That sort of thing. Dunks on I re- own wife. Yeah, I really like tech moguls uh, attacking people who have less money than them. That's kind of kind of scratches an itch for me. Uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram with your questions at Get Played Pod or send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 616-2PLAYED, 616-275-2933. Eva Anderson, thank you so much for returning to the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, anything you'd like to plug at this time? If you want to check out the uh, ARG I talked about earlier, um, the, the website is uh, Arcana dash game.com that's a-r-c-a-n-a dash game.com and we have a, a semi-playable walkthrough that you can check you can click through and see how the game progressed that way and watch all the videos and and just have have the experience that's rad because it's it's wrapped up but you can you, you can just uh, relive it right now is what yeah. you're saying yeah, yeah that's it's awesome all, it's all archived so it's all just waiting for you arcana hyphen game.com Yes. And hey, speaking of games, Matt, what's next week's? Next week's game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cowabunga. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. And goodbye, Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>